Our scripture this morning uh, comes from both the Old Testament and the New Testament. The first reading comes from, God, from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah's prophecy. But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exalt when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and, their bar, and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the trampling warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born to us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and, his name, and, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And then from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 25, a very familiar passage, I'm sure. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to your God. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, Lord, that you would allow these words to come, to point to the word just read, and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, for we pray this in his name. Amen. God is dropping in the polls. In recent surveys done by Pew Research and Gallup, it indicates that God is less and less believed in in the United States. Fewer Americans claim to have faith in God, and the degree to which God is dropping in the polls depends on which expert that you talk to. Some research experts say that, God is, that God's popularity is simply gradually dropping over the decades. Others say that the drop is rather precipitous, but everybody sees that God's popularity is taking a hit in the polls. You know, it's a good thing that God is not running for office. God might not get elected. But part of the problem might be that God has an image problem, maybe a public relations problem. It appears that we're not too sure what we think about God. A few years ago, Baylor University performed a study of people who say that they believe in God. And the goal was to figure out what people believe about God. Thousands of God believers were surveyed and 
they were asked dozens of questions and the responses led the researchers to construct four views of God into which most Americans fall by and large. Four understandings of the nature of God and how people believe that God fundamentally works. And so Baylor divided up the believers in our country and placed them into one of these categories. 36% of Americans believe in, in what is called an, author an authoritarian God. A God who is deeply involved in our lives and world events. A God who is angry at our sin and is willing to punish the unfaithful. 24% of Americans believe in what is called a benevolent God. A God who is deeply involved in our daily lives and world events but largely as a positive force who is not eager to punish us. 16% of Americans believe in what is called a critical God. God who doesn't really interact with our daily lives, but at the same time is not very happy with how things are going in the world and at some point will exact justice upon the world. And lastly, 24% of Americans believe in what is called a distant God. A God who doesn't really interact much at all with our lives and daily events. This God takes no pleasure, holds no anger over what's going on in the world. God is just a cosmic force that got the whole thing started and then sat back and watched. An authoritarian God, a benevolent God, a critical God, and a distant God. No doubt that you might come up with some other designations for God. But no matter how long your list might grow, it might be true that your view of God is not formed by the Bible. Though we might say that we believe in the God of the Bible, we might discover that the God that we believe in is not the God the Bible describes. And that may say something more about us than it says about God. Enter Isaiah. One of the great prophets of the Old Testament is the prophet Isaiah, and Isaiah says, the people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and he shall be called Wonderful God. Mighty God, Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. God's name shall be called not one name, but four names. And not just any four names, four descriptive, four very different names. Four names that can mean very different things, or many different things. I grew up with three names, most of us did. My three names are Donald Raymond Brown. And each one of those names means something different, one that's very unique to me, one named after my grandfather, and one my family name. And when they were put together in a sentence by one of my parents, I knew I was in big trouble. God has many names. God shall be called Wonderful Counselor. God shall be called Mighty God. God shall be called Everlasting Father. God shall be called Prince of Peace. Four names. And that's just the beginning of the list, isn't it? The Bible is filled with all sorts of names for God. Elohim and El Shaddai, the Mighty One of Jacob, Adonai. 
the sword, the shield of Abraham, the fear of Isaac, Yahweh. Jesus calls God Abba, Father. Moses calls God the I Am. And God says, my name is I Am who I Am. So many names. Why so many names of God? Well, maybe because of the light. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who walk in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. Have you ever wondered what color light is? If you were to choose a color, what color would you say that light is? Would you pick red or green or yellow or blue? You, of course, wouldn't pick any one color, right? Because light is all colors. Light is the spectrum of all the colors. James McBride, in his memoir of growing up in a multi-ethnic and multi-racial family, he remembers asking his mother, what is the color of God? And his mother replied that God is the color of water. It's a great answer. We place water into a font and we baptize a baby. But when you take water and you place droplets of water into the sky and you allow light to shine through those droplets, what do you get? A rainbow. You get not just one color, because light is not just one color. Light is all colors. God's name, the light's name, shall be called Wonderful Counselor, and Mighty God, and Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. As if to say this God who shines in light into our darkness is a God who seeks to surround us and take us in with the entirety of who God is. C.S. Lewis said that the whole purpose for which we exist is to be taken into the light, life of God. You know, it doesn't do us any justice to put God into a box or a category or to give God just one name or one designation. It's not going to do the trick. Augustine, the great 5th century church father, was puzzling once over the nature of the Trinity. And he was walking alongside of a beach and pondering the great theological construct of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he observed a young girl, and the young girl was running with a bucket back and forth between the sea and a little hole. And, and Augustine stopped and asked her what she was doing, and she said, I'm trying to pour the ocean into this hole. And the great scholar paused and said, so am I. You know, some things are so difficult that our attempts to fully understand and characterize the nature of God are no less futile than trying to pour the ocean into a little hole. God is too big, too surrounding, too all-encompassing, which makes me wonder if one of the reasons that God is dropping in the poles is that we're trying somehow to pour God into some little hole. Place God into some sort of a box, packaged up, delivered, bubble wrap, looking just the way that we want God to look. Is that the kind of God that you want to believe in? A kind of God that you can fit into a little box, a category or a designation or a hole in the beach? Because a God that you can do that to is not a God that is very impressive. 
It's not a God that is very real. And I don't know about you, but I want a God who's real. As real as every single person in this room. Which makes me wonder if that's the point that Jesus was making. When he talks about he, how he will be present in our lives, Jesus says, I will be with you until the close of the age. Jesus' light is going to continually shine upon us. And the people asked, when will we see you? When will we see you, Jesus? And Jesus says, you will see me in all of you. You will see me in all the people. Because when I'm hungry, you'll feed me. And when I'm lonely, you will visit me. And when I'm naked, you will clothe me. And when I'm sick, you will take care of me. You will see the light of God reflected in the faces of all the people. You will find my name in the names of all the people. You, know me, you will know me not only as a wonderful counselor and a mighty God and an everlasting father and a prince of peace. You will not only know me as El Shaddai and Elohim and Adonai, but you will know me as Larry, laying in a hospital bed down in Morristown. You will know me as Julie across the street who is going through a divorce. You will know me as Bob who is standing in line at the food pantry. Because their names will be my name. And God will be presented to you in all sorts of wonderful and beautiful and challenging ways. And they will be a joy and a challenge to you. And they will require every ounce of energy from you. Because as you love Jesus, you will love them. And what can be more encompassing than a God shows up, who shows up and the light reflected off of all the faces of all God's people? What can be more real than a God who shows up as a little baby who walks the trails of Palestine, who at every turn sees people and the names of those people, people like you and me, and he stops and he talks with them and he listens to them and prays for them and heals them and teaches them because that God is real. That God is alive. That God is in the flesh. That God has as many names as there are names in the world. And it's messy. Because if God shows up in the names and faces of God's people, it gets messy because people are messy. And you can't quite put any one of us into a box. And so God shows up in the face of the person going through a divorce and is trying to put their lives back together again now that the assets have all been split and they have to find a new place to live because the house was sold to settle. God shows up in the face of a parent who realizes that their, struggle, that their child is struggling with an addiction and desperately wants to see them make good decisions and you stop and you listen. God shows up in the child trying to find their way into adulthood and is beginning to make career decisions and you give counsel. God shows up in the next door neighbor's house when you realize that the couple you've been living next to for years is no longer getting outside. And the once impeccably kept lawn seems to have a lot more weeds and you knock on the door and you begin to hear the story of all kinds of medical struggles. 
God shows up at Morristown Hospital in the waiting room as you sit with a wife as her husband undergoes surgery. God shows up when you're laying in bed, drugged up post-surgery, and you wake to see a friend from church waiting to talk. God shows up in all the messy places of life. And you can't put any of that into a box. You can't pour any of that into a hole because these are the names among many names. But light shines in the darkness, including the darkness of our own very lives. Those who live in a land of deep darkness, on us light has shined. And God's name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, and Mighty God, and Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. God's name shall be called Elohim, and El Shaddai, and Adonai. And God's name shall be called Larry, and Julie, and Bob. And with every name and every person, maybe, just maybe, the King is glorified. And maybe... Arise in the polls. Amen.